All right, welcome to the podcast to be named later. Um, this is Jared Edwards, and I'm with Steve Baker. How you doing, Steve? Oh, you know, living the dream here in uh, cold, rainy Cleveland today. Well, I'll tell you, I, I am not jealous one bit. Uh, I spent most of my life living in the Cleveland area. Now I moved to sunny Arizona where it is sunny and 72 degrees right here. So I feel bad for you on the weather front. Almost sounds like a country song, sunny and 75. Right? <laughs> you can't beat it. And I'll tell you, the, uh, the country western music is extremely prevalent here in Arizona, as you could imagine. Yeah, I'm sure. It's uh, just so you know, it's 43 degrees and rainy in Cleveland area today. Ooh, I don't miss that. Um, I will say this is so. This is our inaugural pro- podcast here, the first one, and I imagine about the first three or four we do will be terrible, but we'll get better at it. I can absolutely promise you that. We both have significant experience in the podcast industry as well as. Uh, calling games together, which we used to do for um, uh, Akron, Akron High School basketball. Yeah, we've uh, we've definitely had some pretty fun ones. Um, you know, calling some good guys like uh, Chris Livingston, uh, not to name drop, but we got to see him play, um, and uh, we watched him on TV there uh, last month here. Yeah, for the NCAA tournament, plays for the uh, Kentucky Wildcats now. Yes, he does, and uh, it's kind of fun. You know, we get to see these guys, uh, or we got to see these guys, I should say, uh, before they, you know, made the jump into the next level. So um, now we get to talk about them on our podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, shoot, yeah, you know what? We we'd probably still be uh, calling games if some dumbass didn't move two thousand miles away across the country. So yeah, but you know, no name. He's enjoying sunny and seventy five, not the name drop. <laughs> Yeah, so so this podcast is really going to center around Cleveland sports as we're both huge Cleveland sports fans and of course we'll we'll touch on any kind of big topics as they come along and uh, of course we'll talk Ohio State Buckeyes as well because Steve I know you're one of the biggest Ohio State fans that I've ever met. I mean I'm definitely a, uh, a Buckeye for sure. Uh, I mean you know we talked about how we're going to talk mostly Cleveland sports. Um, I would say that Ohio State is a Cleveland sport as well, uh, even though it's in Columbus. Um, I would say it is definitely a Cleveland sport. Um, I mean, I, I've been following hockey, which isn't my favorite sport. Um, it's not my least favorite, but it's not my favorite, but I've been following that as well. The women, uh, I don't know if you saw, they just lost the championship to Wisconsin. Um, so that was heartbreaking. And the men's hockey actually lost yesterday to Quinnipiac. Oh damn! Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know either of them lost. Crap. Yeah, they lost, of, but you know it's okay. Yeah, speaking of hockey, didn't you go to the uh, the game they had up at the Brown Stadium? I did. Uh, that was a great game. It was Ohio State versus Michigan. Uh, Ohio State came away with a win on that one. Um, I may have made some Michigan fans pretty upset with me, but that's kind of what you do when you're at Ohio State, Michigan, of any sport. Well, absolutely. Um, well, let me ask you, because I did hear one thing about the game. Um, someone was saying that the 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 hockey, or the rink itself, was really far away from the stands. Was it kind of hard to see, or was it all right? It wasn't that bad. Uh, I mean, if you've never been to Brown Stadium, which I know you've been there, but some maybe some listeners have not, 
Um, you know, there's a giant screen as well that you can look at there at Brown Stadium. There's not really a bad seat in the house. Um, the rink wasn't very far away. The only problem that I had with the game was at the end of the second period, uh, there actually was a hole in the ice. So they called the second period early, sent the players back to their locker room, did a little you know, intermission change there. Uh, the band came out and did Script Ohio while they repaired the ice. Then they brought the players back on, played like two minutes of hockey, took a minute break, and then played the third period. It was kind of, okay. kind of yeah, it was kind of weird, um, but that's kind of what happened there. Yeah, you know, you'll have that if you're playing hockey outside, you know. It's it's not a controlled environment. There's going to be ice melting and all kinds of other crap. Which you wouldn't think, you know, the fact that it was, you know, February 18th in Ohio, you don't expect that. Um, the thing that I found was weird was I was at the Browns game, uh, Christmas Eve I went to the Browns game, and from Christmas Eve to February 18th, there was a 70-degree 70 70 degree difference in the days. Um Mind you, it was only 40 degrees on February 18th, but I was there when it was negative 30 in December. God, see, I, I don't miss any of that. And, that, and that's part of the – you know what? We were going to start with the, the, the Guardians, but let's jump right into the Browns here just because <laughs> just you mentioning that, it just reminds me of Deshaun Watson and, and how bad he looked those last six games. I don't know why he would, would come here because he's never played well in cold weather, really. And then especially in that game, with that kind of environment, he looked terrible. And they had some drop passes because that was the game against the uh, Saints, right? It was against the Saints. And to answer your question, why would he come here is $230 million. Yeah, you got that guaranteed money. But I, it just is, is tough. With him, he's got kind of a smaller build, and with that cold weather and that wind, I just don't – I don't see him doing well, and that's just me being a pessimistic Browns fan with the last six games. But I I, just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, growing up in Cleveland, uh, we're kind of trained to say there's always next year. Um and that game was the always next year game uh, that officially knocked us out of it. Um, I mean, we were kind of out to start from the beginning, but that again, and the fact that, you know, the coaches were like, oh, we didn't know, um, you know, which is ridiculous. But also, again, being at that game, being negative for 30 degrees, which it was, it was super cold. Um, it was the second coldest game in NFL history, first coldest game in Cleveland. Um, and it was freezing. Um, people were trying to go inside. Uh, Chris and I, who you have also met, will be on the podcast at some point, I'm sure. Um, he, him and I were there, uh, and it was awful cold. And watching them lose made it that much colder. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember going to games similar to that where you get so many people just packed into the bathrooms because it's one of the few places where there's heat running and it just makes it that much weirder. Um, well, let's jump into, so the Browns off season moves. So they picked up Jim Schwartz as a defensive coordinator, which, you know, they absolutely needed. Joe Woods was terrible. The defense was terrible. Uh, that for sure should help him out because it'll give him a disciplinarian. Cause it seems like for whatever reason, and I could be completely off, but it doesn't seem like there's great leadership 
in that locker room. I mean, besides somebody like Miles Garrett, there's not a whole lot of all-pro talent. I mean, just uh, what's his name? Denzel Ward's supposed to be, but he's often injured, and he hasn't really played up to his talent level in the last two years, in my opinion. Uh, do you think Schwartz is going to make a hell of an impact, Steve? I mean, I do. Um, you've seen Schwartz's defense before um, in you know in Detroit and other places, but um, you know every guy that's talked about Jim Schwartz is you haven't really heard any bad marks on Jim Schwartz. You've heard how great he is, how good of a coach he is, how much of a leader he is. And then you have, you know, you have the front office who just added, what, five defensive linemen, a safety in Juan Thornhill. Uh, you know, so, I mean, they're adding all these pieces that that were a glaring hole for the Browns this past season. Yeah, absolutely. You said the, the defensive linemen they added, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson, who was the big pickup, the defensive tackle from Minnesota. Uh, which he's he's good against the run. He used to be really good against the run about four or five years back, but he, he's decent enough now, and he's what you need. You need big, fat guys to clog up the middle because you gave up a historic amount of rushing yards last year. It's absolutely crazy. A 100-yard rusher in, I think, 15 of 17 games. Yeah, and, and one of them being a rookie who nobody knew. Yeah, it just seemed like... That was the case all year. And then you mentioned Juan Thornhill. Hopefully he'll, well, he's just going to take the place of John Johnson. In which I think if you look at the whole of it, that kind of looks like a, uh, a disappointing signing. Not Juan Thornhill, but the John Johnson signing. Because he didn't do a whole hell of a lot here. You know, he sent out yeah. some crappy tweets, of course, because that's what people do in in. Cleveland apparently when they get a little disgruntled but I don't know hopefully Juan Thornhill will do a lot better and he brings a Super Bowl pedigree which uh, Jim Schwartz does as well because Schwartz won with the Eagles uh, absolutely and like I said you have guys who are on other teams who were praising the signing of Schwartz to Cleveland which, which is always good because you know what that helps you bring in more talent because we all know the Browns don't have draft capital now because no, uh, no, to, they actually just traded their second round pick to bring in a much needed receiver in um, uh, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, which I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard a hell of a lot of about him from the jets because he was disgruntled last year and sat out the end of the year. So may, I don't, maybe you can, enlighten me a little bit more on Elijah Moore, Steve. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I have some friends who are Jets fans. Um, so I asked, I asked him, I said, what's the news on Elijah Moore? Is he any good? And this is what he said. Uh, he was hurt his first year, not, not much production last year. Um, but blames the quarterback for it. Um, you know, more, he was upset with quarterback situation he did tell the OC to go fuck himself. Uh, we can say that because we're on a podcast, so we can say that. Um, so he told the OC, uh, and then uh, he asked for a trade midseason. Um, you know, there were a lot of problems, uh, so, you know, that's fine. Also, uh, he believes that the Jets like that move um, of getting that draft pick 
so they could send it to Green Bay in order to get Aaron Rodgers. Um, also, he said that uh, seeing Elijah Moore in the slot would be the, the spot for him, um, that he'd be a beast in the slot. He did a bit in New York, but was on the outside way more than he would like. Um, so this is from, again, a, a devoted Jets fan saying that Elijah Moore should have played the slot receiver position. Um, and as a Cleveland fan, you know, I like to hear that because you can put Amari Cooper – uh, and Donovan Peoples-Jones on the outside, put more on the, in the slot position. Uh, hopefully Peoples-Jones has a good year this year. Um, and, you know, you have David Bell who can run those little tiny out routes as well if you go four wide. All right. So we're going to get into some Guardians talk because, as we know now, it's Steve's day on Thursday, and it is the Guardians season openers. They take on the Seattle Mariners at a 9 I believe it's a 9.45 start time for you, Steve. So that's going to be kind of a bummer. Is it 9.45? I thought it was 10.10. Oh, hell, it might be 10.10. I thought it was a 9.45. Let me look. They probably got to do all the pomp and circumstance and all that. Of the opening day. and Yeah. So it'll probably end up being a 10.10 actual start. uh, It'll probably be, you know... 10.45 10.45 by the time all the pop and circumstance is done. Right? <laughs> well, so it'll be a late one. That's all, that's okay for me because it'll start around uh, 7.30, which I'm all right with. And I can get me in, in, in bed and then so I can get up early for work the next morning. But so let's go over the Guardians, which we know were a playoff team last year. Uh, kind of a heartbreaking loss to those goddamn Yankees in the divisional series. But uh, this year, they bring back damn near the exact same team. Yeah, I mean, they're bringing back a lot of the same guys, and they're even adding uh, a couple guys to that uh, already pretty good team there. Yeah, you know, they they brought in Josh Bell, who will hopefully give them power because the biggest area they struggled in last year was they, they didn't have hardly any power at all. They hit the least home runs in the major leagues, but it's crazy because they also had the highest batting average. They just yeah. they get they get guys on base, um, and that particular brand of baseball, for whatever reason, just does not seem to do well in the postseason because you're growing up the best of the best pitchers, and it's just hard to string three or four hits together against those pitchers. Yeah, I mean, and not only does Josh Bell bring you know that power to to that lineup, but it also give, allows guys like Josh Naylor, the chance to have a break, to, you know, not have to play every game, to, you know, maybe DH a little bit more, maybe go out to right field a little bit to, you know, help that outfield. Although we do have a, finally, um, some questions answered in our outfield, which has always been a question in Cleveland, I feel like. Um, But we finally have some answers out there. But, you know, you can give, again, those guys like Josh Naylor the chance to, you know, get a break. You can have guys like, um, oh, who am I thinking of? I can't even think. Um, not Jimenez. Oh, outfielders, you got uh, Oscar Gonzalez. You you do, but um, so Oscar is great, uh, and you know he obviously had that big that big hit with Sandy Alomar's belt last year. Uh, but a lot of people are in Cleveland. A lot of the buzz, and I know you're in Arizona, so you may not. I mean, you may get some of the spring training buzz out there. Um, but all the buzz around Cleveland is, is Oscar Gonzalez going to have a sophomore slump? 
Um, it's a lot of there's a lot of questions with him. Um, Stephen Kwan is locked up left field. We know that um, he's locked that up. And guys like Will Brennan, who are on the starting or on the opening day roster, um, came on late last season um, and going to have a chance to really get some playing time out there as well. Um, you know, with whether it's in center field or in left or in right field, I think left field again is locked up there. Um, but again, having oh, that's what I'm thinking. Giving guys like Gabriel Arias, even he could go out and play, he could go out and play some outfield as well. Um, and get some at bat at bats as well, and not have to sacrifice, you know, the middle infield to get him some at bats. Oh yeah, and that's that's why I like this this Guardians team because very aware that of the worries for Oscar Gonzalez because you you think he comes up and he's such a spark plug last year and he played ninety games and he hit very well, uh, had eleven home runs, hit over two sixty last year. Um, but he struggled in spring. He's really struggled in spring. So if I'm the Guardians, and that's why they left Will Brennan on the roster. That's why they left Gar- Gabriel Arias. And they gave him time in the outfield because he's an infielder by trade. And he's a great infield fielder. But you give him outfield experience because we're unsure about Oscar Gonzalez. And especially Miles Straw. That's my biggest key going into this year is will Miles Straw be down hitting 212 again next year? Because if he is, he's not going to be on the major league team. You know, and it's defensive guy. He's a gold gold glove. Yeah. (laughs) But if you can't hit, you can't hit. And Will Brennan has a track record of hitting through every single level level he's ever played at. And he will take that center field position if Miles Straw does not hit well. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's that's the thing is, you know, you have a Golden Glove defender, but, again, his average is so bad. Like, he just – he can't hit the ball. Uh, you know, he had some games last year where he came alive and had some big clutch hits, um, which, again, as a team they did that. Like you had said, you know, they're not a power team. They, you know, they put the ball in the right place. They put the ball in play, and that's what you need to do. But, again, you need some guys like your Josh Bells – like your Josh Naylor's even, who can hit the ball. Yeah, you got to have these guys get over 20 home runs this year. And they they very well could, you know. If Oscar Gonzalez continues what he did last year, he could be a 20 home run guy. I expect Josh Naylor to have over 20 home runs this year. Of course, Jose is good for that. Andres Jimenez had over 20 last year. Um, the other big question mark coming into the season is your catching position. Yeah, you have three of them on the roster. Got three of them on the, on the roster to start, which is kind of unheard of. But the reason they bring in three, or they have three on the roster, is because you brought in Mike Zanino, who had a terrible year last year, is plagued with injuries, only played 30 games, did not have a good year. But he's expected, to be your, he's expected to be your starter, though, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But Well, two years ago, he hit 30 home runs. He only had about a 220 average, but that's I'm fine with that because your catcher last year, Austin Hedges, hit. Oh God, he was atrocious. Barely over 200. Did he even hit 200? I think he was like 189 or something. He's right around that Mendoza line there, but right. you know, Zanino stays healthy. Maybe he can get bat 220, hit you 20 home runs. I don't know. That's that's why I. I don't want him to struggle. Of course, I would love him to hit 300 with 35 home runs this year. 
But the thing I want is I want them to bring Bo Naylor up because yeah. Bo Naylor is a hell of a prospect at the catching position. Yeah, and you know, yes, they, you know, everyone's like, why isn't Bo on the starting day lineup? It's because he's still a rookie, essentially. Um, you know, and Cleveland's never gonna have someone in April come up and start. Um, you know, they got Zanino, they got Gallagher, and you know, this third catcher, Viera, I don't know much about, or I don't know how to say his name even. Um, but they're talking, I read today that he made that roster, but it's not official, um, because he may be involved in a sign and trade deal with somebody. Yeah. Basically they told him, Hey, we're going to keep you on the opening day roster, but if we find a better option, you're not going to be on the team. Yeah. I guess that kind of sucked, but you're a major league baseball player. It's still fantastic to even be told that you're going to be on the opening day roster. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, what's league minimum? The more than I'll make in my lifetime. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so we'll just touch. We kind of touched on the lineup. So we'll touch on what the the projected starting lineup will be. Damn near the exact same thing it was last year. You'll have Quan lead off in left field. Ahmed Rosario at shortstop. Which, Steve, did you see? So Ahmed Rosario kind of had a weird tweet where he just tweeted like the big eye open emoji just eight of them and uh people on guardians twitter were kind of speculating oh are they going to uh extend rosario which i'd be okay with but for whatever reason there's a big backlash against Ahmed rosario at the shortstop position just because the guardians are so loaded with middle infield prospects yeah, I mean, they are. And that's the thing is, if you look at um, the, what is the top 100 prospects, according to MLB, we have like 19 of them or something crazy like that. Yeah, I think, uh, it's, it's the we have the third most because it's the Orioles and then the Dodgers and then the Guardians. The Guardians have the third most. It's okay. stupid. It is. It, but uh, you got but they, Rosario, that's no, second. Ramirez is going to be in the three-hole. Ramirez is standard. As long as he doesn't get hurt, you'll get the same thing out of him every single year. Love that dude. Clean up. The new guy, Josh Bell. Expect a lot out of him. Josh Naylor in the five slot. Oscar Gonzalez, six. Andres Jimenez batting seventh. I don't love it because he's an excellent player. He's an all-star. I feel like he should be higher up in the lineup. But What's that? Well, who do you switch them out with, though? I don't know. And everything I hear, people because people, for whatever reason, don't like Ahmed Rosario, so they want Jimenez to hit second and Rosario to hit seventh. But Rosario's faster, so yeah. I like him in the second hole. And he just gets on base more. I don't know. People are weird. They just love to bitch about anything. Yeah. And then Zanino will be your eight guy. And Miles Straw, they like him in the nine slot. He's quick. Supposedly he gets on base, which, by the way, Straw has hit well in spring training. It is spring training, and you can't ever take that into consideration. But he's hit 355 in spring training so far. So, but I mean, there is a little can, light there. If we can get him on base, and he can, I mean, how many steals did he have last season? He only had 19, which I'm really? extremely disappointed in. I feel like it was more than that. Right? You would think. I, I, I don't know, but he wasn't on that base that much to steal. That's the shit That's thing. True. But yeah, so I mean, if he can get on base, he can draw. He if he can draw walks, and then you know you have your, you know you have your Stephen Kwans come up and 
bring him around the bay. Like, maybe that's a good thing. Again, you know, in Tito, we trust here in Cleveland. Uh, you know, like, he's uh, he obviously has, knows what he's doing, um, and that's a really good thing. So, and you, in your lineup there, you had Josh Bell and Josh Naylor. Um, who do you have playing first base, Bell or Naylor? I have Bell. Now, is that going to be a thing where they're going to rotate them? Yeah. You know, I think a, a lot of the time they're going to switch back and forth. More than likely, I'd say probably 130 games, they'll have them both in the lineup, and they'll just rotate in and out, first base DH. Um, the other bit, you'll see Gabriel Arias play more against left-handers than anybody else because Naylor struggles against them. But the, the Guardians are kind of hoping and saying that a lot of his struggles last year against the left-handed pitching was due to his leg not being fully healed from when he injured it two years ago. Yeah, and, you know, the great thing about Josh Bell is that he's a switch hitter. Yep. So it doesn't matter. You throw right, you throw left. He'll, he'll go to the other side of the plate and take you to town. Shoot, yeah. And they, and they kind of signed him on a – I think he got a three-year deal, but it's more or less just this year. Um, kind of a – uh, prove it, you know, if you if he hits really well, he's got an option to leave, which I hope he does. I hope he hits 275, 35 home runs, and the, and the Guardians can't sign him next year because he hits so well. So that he, would be great. He has a two-year, $33 million deal. Okay, two years, 33 mil, and I know he's got a player option to leave. And a player option, and yeah. Well, okay, so the starting rotation – is going to be the exact same as last year. Nothing really to to add to there. You got Shane Bieber starting. Tristan McKenzie, though, did you see Tristan? They pulled him yesterday. Yep, pulled him yesterday after one inning. That's Sunday's start. Um, they, they said say, it. it uh, go ahead. I say they said it was precautionary. Um, so they haven't really released what it was. I don't think, but they said it was precautionary um, that he should be good to go for the season. Is what I read. Yeah, right arm tightness, which if it's me, I just wouldn't pitch him the first series against uh, Seattle. I'd give him an extra week off because yeah. they have uh, they have Hunter Gaddis up. Um, he's going to be in the bullpen, and he's kind of a starter. He started a couple games last year and was absolutely terrible. So I don't kind of want to give a gimme to Seattle, but I just kind of hold him out because if anything, because it, it was just arm tightness in his pitching arm. Yeah, just just sit him out. Let him get get an extra week rest. Put Hunter Gaddis in there. It's not going to disrupt too much. It'll be okay. So you got Bieber starting the season. McKenzie's going to be your second starter. Cal Quantrill, who had a great year last year, and Steve, he's never lost a game at a progressive field. I know it's awesome, right? That's insane because he's pitched for the better part of two years with the. I love it. Just nuts. Every every home series, I expect to see Cal Quantra on the mound. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we got four and five starters. Not going to blow anybody's socks off. Aaron Savali and Zach Plesac. As long Savali, as he doesn't come to the mound. Yeah, but, I don't know, Dick, and I don't know. <laughs> Plesac is a fantastic athlete. Um, he's just kind of a head case. I mean, Cleveland knows how to find headcases. Look at Trevor Bauer. Look at Mike Clevenger. You know, I mean, we can, we can go down the line. Albert Bell, like, you know, it doesn't have to just be pitchers. We got them. Um, but, I mean, 
like said, please act. How do you punch them out and break your arm? Like what? It broke his hand, didn't he? Yep, broke his hand. Broke a bone in his hand. It's just. Trevor Bauer was playing with drones and threw a ball over a center field wall. Like, come on. It's just kind of the dumb, unlucky injuries that you always hear about in baseball. It's just wild. Uh, Savali, though, I think Savali can have a decent year. He was plagued by injuries really bad last year, and then he had just that god-awful outing in uh, Game 5 against New York, which kind of just made a bummer of everything. Yeah. Yeah. The starting lineup should be good. The starting rotation. The thing that is wildly intriguing about the Guardians this year in their starting rotation is not the the people who are going to start the year on it. It's the two guys that could come up and just make a hell of an impact, and that's Daniel Espino, who is their number one prospect in the system, and I think he's number four. Six overall in Major League Baseball. He just has a rocket arm, 100-mile-an-hour fastball. His strikeout numbers are insane, Steve. He pitched 18 innings last year. Guess how many strikeouts he had in 18 innings pitched? 18 innings. So that's... This is is double A. Right. So I'm just trying to do some math. So 18 times 3 would be, what, uh, 24? 18 times three? I don't know. I know it's not 24. 44, I think. 34. Something, I don't know. Math is hard. Anyway, he had. I would say he had 27. 35, man. 35. 35 strikeouts in 18 innings. That's damn near two an inning. That's insane numbers. Like, I understand that's double A, but that's crazy. And he, he was looking good this spring. He. Uh, ended up injuring his shoulder. I think he had like tightness in his shoulder or something like that. So they shut him down and he'll be down until uh, mid-April. But they said once he comes back, if he's feeling good, he is going to make his debut this year on the big league team. And I absolutely cannot wait. So one of the ones I'm looking forward to. And the other is Gavin Williams, who's also a starting pitcher. Also insane strikeout numbers. He pitched 16 starts last year in double-A, had a 231 ERA with 82 strikeouts in 70 innings. These guys are going to be great. So looking at MLB.com, Daniel Espino, uh, he's this number 16th ranked prospect um, right now, 16. And then uh, you just said is Gavin Williams, another right-handed pitcher. Uh, He's ranked 42nd. Um, and then 51, uh, we'll go through the top 100 real quick. Um, so 51, you have George Valero, who is an outfield prospect, um, which, again, we talked about. The Steve, be on the lookout for him, because if those two guys we were talking about earlier, Miles Straw and Oscar Gonzalez, struggle a little bit, Will Brennan's right there, and then George Valera's right there, because he is – he has excellent, excellent power. Yeah. Then you have 64, you have Bo Naylor. 65, you have Tanner Bibby. So that's three pitchers in the top 65 in the Guardians franchise. Uh, then you have a shortstop second base, so a middle infielder in Brian Ro- I don't know who that is. Rochio? Brian Rocchio. Yeah, sure, that guy. Um, he's there. Uh, 82, you have Chase DeLauder, who's another outfielder. Yep. Uh, and then... 
that's it in the top 100 for the Guardians. Um, but there's quite a few of them. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the guy you mentioned, Tanner Bibby. So they, they um, compare him very much to Shane Bieber, where Shane Bieber came in for the Guardians and was very good pinpoint control, but he didn't have a lot of velocity. The Guardians pitching staff is so good at getting the best velocity out of these pitchers. Now, Shane Bieber's declined a little bit, but he was up there at about 92, 93. He's dropped back down to the low 90s, right around 90 right now. But Tanner Bibby, he started only throwing about 85 to 90. And now he's up 94 to 97 with pinpoint control. I expect him in the next two or three years to be one or two uh the one or two starter for this team they're just loaded at the starting pitching position um which makes me think i really hope that the guardians are in position this year where they can make a very big trade at the trade deadline now there's one guy in particular who will be a free agent at the end of the year who's the best player in Major League Baseball right now, who more than likely will be available um, come trade deadline time. Do you know who that is? I don't. Shohei Otani. He's not coming to Cleveland. He's not. Uh, if they trade for him, they'll only get him for a half season because there is no way in hell they'll be no. able to re-sign him. And they're, the Angels are going to want way too much for him at that trade deadline. That I mean, yeah, we have prospects, but... They're going to want way too much and only get him for, you know, the postseason, essentially. I don't, I don't think – as much as I I'll love our front office, I don't think they're going to do it. Which, again, I love our front office because they're, they won't do things like that, I don't think. No, they won't. But I'm telling you, if that – it depends on what the rest of Major League Baseball looks like. But I would give up two out of th- three of those pitchers. I'd give up the rest of the guys in the top 100 for him if it means that you have a real shot at the World Series. Because prospects are prospects. That dude is a top five pitcher in the league and a top five hitter in the league. You mean the WBC champion, Shohei Otani? Absolutely. Absolutely. You If you watched it, he struck out Mike Trout. Mike Trout is a god. Yeah, I did watch it, and I was upset. I was actually uh, at a bar watching it, um, and I was pretty upset. And the rest of the bar was like, why are you watching sports? We should be line dancing. Um, And I was like, it's the WBC. What do you mean? Like, I was so confused why nobody else cared. Oh, who knows, man. I guess – and those crowds were so fun because it seems like, for whatever reason, around the world – their crowds are so much more rowdy for baseball games than crowds here in, are in America for whatever reason. I, I don't know. It was it really exciting, though. I enjoyed every bit of it. Yeah, it was, it was fun to watch. Um, but, again, it's crazy. But, you know, to finish out our lineup, we talked we talk starting pitchers. We got to get back to our relief pitchers because that's where, that's where Cleveland's bread and butter seems to be lately. Um, you know, obviously you have Bieber, who's your Cy Young winner. You have Quantro, who hasn't lost at home. Uh, you have McKenzie, who's, you know, in his, what, third or fourth year now? This will be his second full year. Up right, second full. 
Um, but he's made a appearance. But, you know, and he's talking about a guy that needs to put some weight on. Um, <laughs> Sticks. Like, you know, up to that name. My goodness. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you have Emmanuel Classe who has locked up your closer position. Uh, I don't think anybody's taking that from him. I don't think anybody really wants to take it from him because they know that uh, they can't. Um, you have Karen Check, you have Trevor Steffen, you have De Los Santos, uh, Nick Sandlin, who came on a little bit at the end of last year, um, Eli Morgan, who we actually got to see uh, at Lake County. Um, I don't know if you remember him. Um, uh, Tim Heron, and then you already mentioned Hunter Gaddis. Um, so you have your relief pitching staff. Again, Cleveland's bullpen. Um, I actually did a ranking here, Jared, um, of the top 10 bullpens, according to Bleacher Report. Um, and out of the top 10, um, let's play a little game here because we have a little bit of time to play some games. Let's see if we can name uh, – let's start with where do you think the Guardians land? Are they in the top 10 or out of the top 10? Oh, they have to be. I'd say top five for sure. They are in the top five. Do you know what number? Um, let's see. I know at the Astros have a really good bullpen because um, the the Padres do too. They just got uh, Hater from um, the Brewers last year, and he's excellent. Uh, so I'll say three. So you were close. Uh, you were right on one and two, by the way. It is the Astros followed by the Padres. Okay. Um, so you had those two right. Um, the Guardians do rank at, in the top five. They're actually number four. Uh, four. Who's three then? The, the Atlanta Braves got the number three grade. Oh, damn. So the, bunch, I don't know them. They must have a bunch of notes. Yeah, so the Braves. And then, actually, it's interesting because we had talked about how opening weekend is against Seattle. They rank as number five bullpen. Oh, wow. Okay. Followed by the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Rays, the Cardinals, and then our beloved favorite team, other than the Guardians, the Yankees. Well, you know, I, I they do the, the Guardians do have a great bullpen. The only thing that worries me about the bullpen, bullpens are very finicky. But you have Class A who's who settles everything down being that closer. But guys like Karen Check, that dude can just be super wild at times, throw six or seven balls in a row and just make a fiasco. Nick Sandlin, you said he came on toward the end of last year and he did. But the beginning of the year, very wild. Yeah. He has incredible movement to his pitches, but he struggles to throw strikes. And you can't come in there and just throw balls and put people on willy-nilly. It's just you just got to come in there and fire at him. Yeah, one guy that every – you know, you're talking about Sandlin doing that. One guy that disappointed me last year, um, every time he came in the game, I was like, why are you bringing him in, was Trevor Steffen. Yeah. Every time they brought him in the game, I was like, oh, here we go. And that was kind of a bummer because he was lights out earlier in the year and then kind of came back down to earth. Um, the guy, one of the guys from the bullpen that they're going to miss early on in the season is Sam Henches. He's yeah. week to week with a shoulder issue, and he's a big lefty with a strong arm, great slider, kind of nowhere near as good, but kind of Andrew Miller-esque with that fastball slider combination. And he might be a guy who can challenge Trevor Steffen 
for that setup role if he comes back healthy and Stefan kind of struggles again like he did towards the end of the year. Yeah, and you know, you know, you had guessed the Guardians at three. Is that possibly the reason they dropped a four? Is because Hedges is not in that starting line in the opening day lineup because of the injury. Is that possibly why they dropped a four? Is a great question. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that I think for whatever reason, uh, Major League Baseball professionals or, or guys who are really into it, they don't like Eli Morgan either because he doesn't have plus fa- plus fastball. He's got a slower fastball, but he has an excellent changeup. The problem is when he misses his spot with his changeup, the guys absolutely crush it, and he gives up a lot of home runs. So they don't like guys like that, and I think just overall – the guys we mentioned that were a little bit wild struggle to find the strike zone. I think that kind of dropped them there to number four. So that, it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. So uh, we got a little bit off season. We started talking about it. I kind of want to cover it real quick. So we talked about Josh Bell and his signing uh, to the Guardians. I almost called them the uh, other name that we're not allowed to talk about anymore. Um, so the Twins, uh, they signed. Uh, these are, again, throughout the offseason here. Uh, they may be a little out of order, but that's okay. Twins signed shortstop Carlos Correa, uh, six-year, $200 million contract. Um, I feel like that whole signing was a nightmare for everybody involved. He was signed oh, to this team, then he was then he was, he was at the Padres, then he was with this person, then he was at that team. He just kept, you know, figuring out where he was going until the Twins finally landed him. Um, great player. Uh, I hate that he's in our division, um, <laughs> but, you know, that's what it is. And that's just so wild about that signing. You know, he, he was going to sign with the Giants, failed the physical. He was going to sign with the Mets, failed the physical. And then all of a sudden the Twins come back. They're like, you know what? We don't give a damn if your leg's kind of messed up <laughs> because we got nothing else. Yeah, right. Which, you know what? Good for them. But they also, the Twins also lost Luis Arise. Yeah. He's one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball, and I love that so much that he's not there because he was a guardian killer the last two years. So glad he's gone. Yeah. Uh, the Red Sox, uh, they signed Justin Turner, uh, two-year, $21.7 million. Um, you know, Justin Turner is a name that we all know um, with the Dodgers and things like that. However, two-year, $21.7 million for a guy that's 38 years old. That's tough, you know. Good, good for Boston. You know, piss that money away. They haven't been really good in a couple of years. I and I'll tell you, Steve, I I hate Boston way more than I hate the Yankees, and I don't know why. I don't have a great reason for it. I just do. Uh, yeah, the Cubs. Uh, they signed a shortstop as well. Uh, a lot of shortstops signed this year. Um, Ansby Swanson, um, seven year, one hundred and seventy seven million dollars for him. Yeah, right? What a deal for that young man. Uh, the White Sox, uh, this one, you know, they signed Andrew Benintendi, five-year, $75 million. And he's a darn good player, too. Yeah. Steve, I'm worried about the White Sox this year. I don't know about you. You know, I said that last year as well, and they kind of fell apart. Um, but, again, having Andrew Benintendi is a huge pickup for them. Um, and, again, they paid a lot of money for it. So that is what it is. Yankees. Uh, they, again, they finally agreed to a deal with Aaron Judge, uh, nine year, $360 million, um, which we all know how Aaron Judge is, but 
And then you had they also added um, a pitcher in Carlos Rondon for six year, one hundred sixty two million. And he's a good pitcher, but that doesn't worry me a lot. I mean, the Yankees are never going to beat the hell out of you with their pitching. They're just going to bash you down with scoring runs and everything. Yeah. Um, the thing, if we go back to the White Sox for a second, the the big thing with the White Sox to me is their biggest addition was losing that alleged old drunk Tony Larusa because he is just you could tell he's just the game has passed him by and he just wasn't doing well especially with all the pitch clock changes and everything in it I think they might be a team to watch just for the fact that now they have a competent manager yeah that's very true um, another shortstop uh, added to the to the uh off season here, um, and speaking of the uh, Red Sox, I think he was with them at one point. Uh, the Padres signed Xander Bogarts. Yeah. Um, for now, here's another one. You know, you we talk about Justin Turner being 38, two year deal, whatever. Bogarts signed an 11 year deal with the Padres for 280 million dollars, and he just turned 30. So they're locked in until this dude is 41 years old. Jeez, and it makes it how much money do they have there in San Diego? My goodness, they got they signed Juan Soto, they signed Machado Jr. Machado, now Xander Bogarts. Man. Yeah. It must be nice. It must be nice. You know, and that's the problem with having a, a no cap in baseball is you know, you can give these guys just stupid amounts of money for stupid amounts of years and not even care because your owner's like, yeah, whatever. They don't give a shit. Um, you know, the Phillies, same thing. 30-year-old guy, they signed Trey Turner, 11-year deal for $300 million. Yeah, see, the, the, the age there doesn't bother me because, you know, baseball players can play really well up until they're about 36, 37. That's when it really starts going downhill. But you said the Trey Turner one, the third, not Trey Turner, uh, uh, Justin Turner. Yeah. 38 getting that deal. That's nuts. Yeah. And like, and the thing with the thing that scares me about Philly is if they're all healthy in Philly, mm-hmm. they have Kyle Schwarber. They have Trey Turner. They have all these like big hit guys. Bryce Harper, JT yeah. Real Mudo. That's know, what I'm saying. You just need to keep going. It's crazy. Um, the Mets signed, uh, so we'll get back to that. We'll go to the Rangers first. The Rangers signed Jacob DeGrom, take him away from the Mets, um, for a five-year, $185 million, um, which I know some Mets fans are upset. They love DeGrom in New York. Um, yeah, he's a great pitcher. That's a huge piece for them to lose. And then the guy that, that again, he been around, he's starting to turn into a journeyman kind of, is uh, Justin Verlander. He signs with the Mets, two-year, $86 million. Well, you know, they, they kind of wanted to pair him up with Scherzer like they were in their early years in Detroit, which that that's going to be a fantastic rotation there. But again, it's I feel like as much as I hate to say he's turning a journeyman, he kind of has turned into that. Yeah, that, that's, that's perfectly fine. But I, a, a really, really good journeyman, you know what I mean? The guy won the Cy Young last year at, I don't know, how old is he, 39? Right. Speaking of Cy Young winners um, – I think it's on on opening day. There are eighteen Cy Young winners or 
something crazy. Some I know it's in double digits. Maybe it's fourteen oh, something man. like that that are starting on opening day. Wild man, it's going to be an excellent year in baseball. I'm so excited. I love I love the rule changes. I love the pitch clock. I love the the bigger bases. Everything is just going to make these games more entertaining. They're going to just flow through. It's going to be a great year for baseball. Yeah, it's going to be awesome for baseball. I know we, we want to kind of wrap it up here soon, but uh, I do want to touch about one thing because we, we had talked about it a little bit prior. Um, you know, we are a Cleveland podcast-based, um, and we talk all sports. We talked football. We talked baseball. What we didn't talk yet is basketball. And the Cavaliers uh, clinched the playoff berth for the first time in the last five years. First time since 2018. Uh, first time without LeBron James that they've clinched a playoff berth um, since the you know since the LeBron era. Um, and which means they don't have to worry about a play-in tournament. They're guaranteed a top six spot. Currently, they're in fourth. Um, and I have the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, or not the finals, the standings, I guess. Yeah, so who's it looking like they're going to play? Is it still the Knicks? So, as of right now, I'll give you the top uh, the top 10 I think I wrote down. So, right now, it, the Bucks are in number one at 53 and 21. The Celtics are in second at 52 and 23. The 76ers are in third at 49 and 25, followed by the Cavs, who are currently in fourth at 48 and 28. Which, by the way, I think going into the season, their over-under number was like 37. So they blew that out of the water. Uh, the Knicks are 42 and 33 in fifth. The Nets are 40 and 35. The Heat are 40 and 35. The Hawks are 37 and 38. The Raptors are 37 and 38. And the Bulls are 36 and 38. That's your top 10. So, let's see. It'll probably be... Cavs, Knicks, then it's looking like. Well, be a hell of a series. so, yeah, if if it ends today, it would be Cavs, Knicks. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. You know, put the Cavs, put the Cavs in Madison Square Garden. I'd love to see that. Yeah, but thing, I mean, we're only, you know, we're, we're nipping at the Sixers' heels to get that third place spot, which, again, would put us against the Nets at that point. I'll take that. I'd way, way rather face the Nets than <laughs> my goodness the nets are not that they're hot garbage but you can't expect a team that loses kevin durant and kyrie irving to perform very well yeah after losing that you know what i mean i now do you think you think that there is any shot at the Cavs moving on past that first series i do um i i honestly see and again, this is this may be the Clevelander in me, but I could see them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh man! So what? So let's say they beat, say they play the Knicks. They beat the Knicks. They're more than likely have to face the Bucks, right? Play Giannis, yeah. Oh, I don't know. But here's the thing: we've we've shown this year that we can beat the Bucks. Yeah. That that's a non non playoffs non non. Uh, I don't want to say. I'll say not not one hundred percent fool go Bucks team. I I agree, but you have you know you have you also you know last year we made the playoff the play in tournament 
and you know, you're a very young team, so the guy's got a little bit of experience, and then you add Donovan Mitchell to the mix. Yeah. Which talk about a talk about a crazy off season signing. Like when I saw the my so my Twitter account went off first and I saw it and I was like it was like, you know, Mitchell to the Cavs and I was like, All right, whose fake Twitter account is this? You know? And then I kept seeing it, and I was like, "All right, all these people are fo- are posting fake Twitter accounts, you know." And I just kept listening. I turned on ninety two three, listened to Dustin, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And it was just, it became a reality. And I was like, "This is insanity!" And the fact that we didn't give up anything for him, no, it's, it's, and there's you know that seems to be the new thing for Cleveland to do is just get these good players without giving anything up. Um, you know, they did it with the marking Amari Cooper and the Browns that Donovan Mitchell, you give up what three second round picks or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and, Martin and, and Colin Sexton. everybody who's ever been in basketball would make that deal. Me personally, I, I de- didn't get to watch a whole lot of Donovan Mitchell, uh, when he was with Utah. Um, but seeing him on the Cavs. I really appreciate how good he is now. He he is a little bit streaky, and that's kind of bothersome. But he has what it – I mean, anybody who scores 71 points in a game yeah. can clearly take over a game, clearly move you to that next level, and be able to maybe carry that team to the Eastern Conference Finals against the likes of Giannis or even against uh, uh, Tatum and Brown in Boston. Yeah, and then I mean, you have guys like I don't know if you watched the game the other night. I think it was against was it against the Nets. I think it was last week against the Nets. Oh yeah. You know, Donovan Mitchell missed that free throw. Went for the tip, missed it. Went for the tip, missed it. Kicked it out to Isaac Okoro, ice in his veins for a game winning three. Are you kidding me? And that is excellent to give Okoro that kind of confidence going into the playoffs because he's really struggled at hitting those three-pointers. And that is the biggest thing that the Cavs need is some guy who can hit those three-pointers because somebody's going to get left wide open with Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Evan Mobley getting most of the attention. Somebody's going to be left wide open. You We're, just have to hit that you know, shot. You know, it's crazy. You just, said, you just said three huge names. So you said Mitchell, you said Mobley, you said Garland. You didn't mention Jared Allen. No. You didn't mention Isaac Accor. You didn't mention Danny Green. You didn't mention, you know, all these guys who can hit shots. Dean Wade, who's doubtful tonight, um, you know, but he's sick today. Um, so, but, I mean, you have these guys. Dean Wade can hit a, hit a three all day long. And, you know. Yeah, you well, they, why, why haven't they been playing him much? I know he's been hurt. Is that he's he's sick, yeah. He's sick. Um, Jared Allen, speaking of injuries, tonight we have a lot. Raul Neto's not playing because he's a hamstring. Danny Green's not playing because he's in health and safety protocol. Dean Wade's sick. He's doubtful. Jared Allen and Isaac Okora are both questionable. Allen has a groin injury. Okora has a knee issue. So, I mean, but you still have, you know, you still have Lopez, who we haven't talked about. <laughs> like, you know, you have Robert Lopez you can put in there with his crazy hair. Yeah. He doesn't get a whole hell of a lot of playing time now, but I'm in the mode now where you got this locked up. You more or less 
just about have that fourth seed locked up. Get these guys right. We don't want any more dumb eye pokes like yeah. uh, Jared Allen had a couple of weeks back. Just just don't have anything stupid happen before the playoffs start. When uh, How many more games are there left in the season? Like 10? Yeah, I don't, right I don't think there's many. I don't think there's very many. Um, let me look up real quick here while I got it. Let's see. Yeah, just kind of just get them healthy, get them rested, win a couple more games just to ensure you hit that fourth seed because then you get home field advantage, especially against the Knicks, which it looks like they'll be facing because you know Madison Square Garden is going to be going batshit crazy. You'll have uh, – a stupid Spike Lee there acting like it's the greatest team in the history of the world. Just get the home field advantage, get the guys in there healthy, let them take over, and you never know what can happen. Just get in the tournament. So according to um, this, we have a game tomorrow against Atlanta, in Atlanta. Uh, then we have a home game against the Knicks, a home game against the Pacers, in Orlando, in Orlando, home against the Hornets, and that's it. Five games, it seems like. Five or six games. Okay, and looks like four of those will be wins. Orlando sucks. Atlanta sucks. <laughs> so the Knicks on Friday could be a potential preview. I like it. I'm going to circle that one. Put it on the calendar. Hell yeah. And and it's in Cleveland. Guardians Thursday. Cavs Knicks Friday. It's going to be an awesome weekend for Cleveland sports. Yeah, and then it's uh, all TBDs. But it does say – so April 15th, um, Saturday, April 15th, it says TBD at Cleveland Cavaliers round one home game one. Okay. April 15th. Put it on the calendar. (laughs) <laughs> so unless I mean I think they've locked up at least the fourth spot. I don't think the Knicks can catch us at four. So they are guaranteed a home playoff series. That's what I'm talking about. Which again, coming into that at you know, they're gonna win thirty seven games. Now they've locked up the number four seed. They've also won eight out of their last ten. Has the cap. See, that's kind of worrisome, too, for me. Not that they've won 8 out of 10, but the Cavs have been very streaky all year. They have. And if they go on kind of a cold streak in the playoffs, that won't be good. But um, very good at home, very bad road team. Well, I guess not very bad, but average, average to bad on the road. That's kind of worrisome. But – their young team they'll make do with what they got and they got a hell of a leader in uh, donovan mitchell i mean let's see let's go back uh they beat the rockets 108 to 91 they beat the nets 116 114 that was the isaac okoro shot mm-hmm. the the previous game they beat the nets 115 to 109 they beat the wizards 117 to 94 they lost to the 76ers by nine they beat the Hornets 120 to 104. They beat the Hornets 114 to 108. They lost by four to the Heat. They beat the Heat by four. They beat the Celtics by four. Beat the Pistons by 24. Lost to the, you, that- lost to the Celtics by four. 
the Celtics, I think, would be a lot better matchup for them than the Bucks. I hope that somehow they can end up playing the damn Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I would love that. I mean, yeah, that'd be great. I would love to see them play the Celtics. Um, but just the fact that we're able to sit here and talk about the fact that there's a chance we can go to the Eastern Conference Finals and not have to worry about a damn play-in tournament. Right. It's, it's good. It's good to have all three teams. Well, we'll hold off on the Browns. Two and a half. We've got two out of three teams that are playoff teams that are uh, have expectations. It makes it a hell of a lot more fun to be a Cleveland fan. You know what I mean? It definitely does. Okay, well, Steve, unless you got much more to add. I don't. That'll about uh, do it for this episode. Yeah, I think we covered uh, quite a bit. Um, and, uh, again, uh, check us out. Email us your thoughts, tbd at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you, uh, see what, you know, you think about our inaugural podcast here. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there, and uh, hopefully we get uh, some good feedback. Alrighty, so let's rock and roll. This will be released on uh, all the podcast forums, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever the hell you listen to it on. Podcast to be named later. And uh, until next time, you guys have a great day.